in the past, the Supreme Court has held that if a legislature intentionally discriminates against minority populations on the basis of race, for example, that that sort of gerrymandering is unconstitutional. But 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 I think the open question and what has never really been definitively resolved by the Supreme Court is whether it's unconstitutional to discriminate on the basis of political affiliation, to entrench your own party, to, to help Republicans and hurt Democrats or vice versa. Um, that's the open question. Welcome to Harry and the Kipper, a podcast covering current events. I'm Kip Muller. And I'm Harry Connor. We're both attorneys, so we're going to cover the legal and constitutional issues that are affecting our politics. We're affiliated with the Resurgent Left, which is a federal PAC that raises money for Democrats across the country at the state, local, and federal levels. But I say affiliated because this podcast reflects our personal views and not any positions of any organization, including the Resurgent Left. With that said, let's jump into today's topic, gerrymandering. So to understand gerrymandering, we need to tee it up with the concept of redistricting. Yeah, doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> and what that means is every 10 years, the U.S. has a census where they figure out how many people are in which states. And then each state takes that census data and they split the state up into various districts. And each of those districts has a representative to the various legislatures, the state legislatures, the U.S. Congress. And as they redraw the lines, voters then participate in different elections for different districts every 10 years. So even though your address may stay the same from year to year, every 10 years, your district may change a little bit, depending on how they redraw the lines. And they're partisans, like Republicans in a lot of these states, that are deciding how to draw those lines. And the governor has the chance to veto. But the thing is, like... Obviously, you can tinker with these lines and make districts favor your party, and that's the problem. I mean, think about it, right? You're drawing the lines for your own seat, right? Right. I mean, what would you do if you were drawing the lines to for your own seat? You might draw the lines in a way that preserves your jobs, and that is really the core of gerrymandering. Right, exactly. And a lot of the world has neutral commissions do this kind of thing. Around Europe, people who are in parties and in the parliament, they don't get to touch these maps. But here in the United States, we have our elected officials do it. With some exceptions. With some exceptions, Some right. states have, have turned the process of drawing lines over to independent commissions. California is an example. So how, how do you draw these lines to help yourself out? Let's say you and I are trying to win a couple districts. What are we doing? Well, there are two ways that you might tweak the lines in a way to entrench your job or help your own political party. Mm -hmm. And those two traditional methods are called packing and cracking. Concretely, what this might look like is if uh, fairly drawn districts would result in Democrats getting 51% of the votes in one district and 51% of the votes in another district, and therefore getting two representatives, if you gerrymander the districts, you'll force all the Democratic voters into one district where the Democrats might vote 90% for one representative, and the Republicans will take 51% in the other districts. So right. the Republicans will eke out a bare majority in the other districts and just pack all the Democratic voters into one district. Yeah, and just to mention, when people wonder about party polarization and how you get these like 
real wackos on the right that are that are having some success. It's because they're they're running in districts where they're running. You know, it's an eighty percent Republican district they're running in. The only way to beat the incumbent is show you're further to the right. You don't need to worry about being in the middle because that general election, the Democrats have no shot in that district. So you just go to the right. And as a result, we see extreme party polarization. You can directly attribute that to gerrymandering. So this is procedural stuff. Sure, you might be kind of bored. We're talking about the census and stuff. It could not be more important. Okay, so we don't want to go too much into the weeds and but just for a quick summary, so racial gerrymandering is recognized to be unconstitutional. If you discriminated against people on the basis of their race in order to dilute their voting power, it runs afoul of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Right. In the past, the Supreme Court has held that if a legislature intentionally discriminates against minority populations um, on the basis of race, for example— that that sort of gerrymandering is unconstitutional. Yeah. So and so they will invalidate the 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 drawing of district lines in that particular state and order a new map drawn that doesn't intend to discriminate against uh, people on the basis of their race. Right, exactly. But what but, but I think the open question mm-hmm. and what has never really been definitively resolved by the Supreme Court is whether it's unconstitutional to discriminate on the basis of political affiliation to right. entrench your own party to, to help Republicans and hurt Democrats or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the open question. So the Supreme Court a couple times has been confronted with partisan gerrymandering, what to do with it. There's a case called Davis versus Bandemer in 1986 where the Supreme Court said partisan gerrymandering does violate the Equal Protection Clause, but they couldn't agree on a standard. Like, how do we decide when a district does in fact discriminate and when it doesn't when it comes to partisan gerrymandering so then viath came around in 2004 and in that case justice kennedy who very well may be the swing vote for this very important case right now we're going to be talking about gill versus whitford kennedy said district courts figure this one out i'm challenging you to figure out some sort of test or a manageable means to determine when partisan gerrymandering has occurred. And that takes us to the case that was just heard in the Supreme Court, Gill versus Whitford, where they're probably finally going to grapple with what's partisan gerrymandering and at what point does it become unconstitutional, if at all. In Wisconsin, uh, Democrats in 2012 won 53% of the total votes across the state, 53%. They were given 39 out of 99 seats in the assembly. Democrats received about 40% or so of 39 to 40% of the seats in the assembly, even though they won 53% of the vote because of gerrymandering. Right. So, uh, you know, Wisconsin has a long history of of dealing with these issues in, in various court cases, and this is only the most recent in a long line of these. But it represents a pretty important moment because uh, for the first time, the district court has uh, ruled such a map unconstitutional on partisan grounds in Wisconsin. And they've adopted a test that um, we hope the Supreme Court views as a manageable test for assessing whether a uh, partisan gerrymandering is constitutional or not. Um, so no, no court has ever said that you know there can be no political considerations in redistricting because it's inherently a political exercise right so this is really about like when is it too political like when is it become so extreme that you're sort of 
really striking at the core of democracy. And so ultimately, the district court adopted the test proposed by the plaintiffs in this case. The plaintiffs being? The people who challenged the, the, the map. They sued the state, they, essentially. They sued the state. It was the Democrats, essentially, that said, this map is so rigged in favor of Republicans, it's, it can't be constitutional. Right. And the test that was adopted has three prongs. And that first prong is that a redistricting scheme is prohibited where that scheme is intended to place a severe impediment on the effectiveness of the votes of the individual citizens on the basis of their political affiliation. So intent. The second prong is that it actually has that effect of entrenchment. Uh, and the third is that uh, the map cannot be justified on other legitimate legislative grounds. Like, for example, the political geography of that state, it's inevitable that, uh, that the districts would be skewed in a political way. The second prong is effect. And this is probably the meat of, of the test, um, maybe the, the, the biggest innovation in, in the test. And I'm going to borrow heavily from the district court opinion here in describing what it means to have um, uh, the effect of severe impediment on the effectiveness of the votes based on political affiliation. And the, uh, the, to, to measure effect, you use what's called the efficiency gap. This is the new thing that's been proposed. And to calculate the efficiency gap, it requires totaling for each party statewide the number of votes cast for the losing candidates in district races. That's a measure of cracked voters, mm -hmm. along with the number of votes cast for the winning candidates in excess of the 50% of the votes necessary to secure the candidate's victory. That's a measure of packed voters. The resulting figure is the total of number of wasted votes for each party. And the efficiency gap basically measures like did how many more votes did the Democrats waste than the Republicans right and ideally that should be zero it won't be zero nope. all right um, but it should be close what is a wasted vote like give me a, you know a, a great example of wasted votes is you know think about California in the presidential election if you're a Democrat you know California's gonna go blue if you're a Republican you know California's gonna go blue there's your vote is is very much wasted in California compared to uh, Pennsylvania or, right. or one of the swing states. Um, that's a good example of a wasted vote. So, you, you know, you have this conception of like, oh, why should I vote? I know my state's going to go blue or red anyway. It's yeah. sort of like that, uh, but applied at the at the legislature level. And here's why else it matters a lot is because, you know, Hillary was trying to win Georgia. And in a lot of places in Georgia, a Democrat didn't even run at the state legislature level. There wasn't even a Democrat on the ballot. And with if there's no down ballot races for people to vote in and they think that, you know, Trump's going to win Georgia anyways, they don't vote. But if we put people in those positions and they run and people believe they have a chance, it makes all the difference in the world in terms of how many people decide to vote. Yep. So wasted votes really erode our ability to run a true democracy. Okay, so here's why you got to care about this episode is because our representative democracy is at stake. As long as gerrymandering exists, people's votes aren't counting, and that's happening nationwide. It's happening disproportionately to people of color, minorities in this country, are being silenced by gerrymandering. And right now, in too many places, representatives are choosing their voters instead of voters choosing their representatives. So what we have is representatives entrenching themselves 
holding control in a despotic way at, at the expense of the American voter who doesn't get to make a choice. As a result, we need to fight the fight in state legislatures, retake state legislatures despite the procedural barriers that are in our way, and find a way to make either neutral redistricting processes or just have Democrats take over so we don't have to worry about it. And that's about it. All right, well, thank you guys for listening, and please check out our website at theresurgentleft.org and get involved today. And also, please follow us on Twitter because our Twitter game is super weak right now, and it's at resurgent underscore left. Special thank you to our producer, Vika Aronson. Shout out to Shaley Jane for some inspiration in this episode. I'm Kip Muller. And I'm Harry Connor. And remember to stay angry and stay inspired.